born into this world with a cucklebur nature, but there was a wheat seed down there. Amen. And when something opened up, I couldn't help but respond. Hallelujah. Praise God that that's there. Amen. What a victory. <laughs> Amen. What a joy. If I could keep singing, Brother Ray, but I'm not. <laughs> Thank you for the singing. That's all the singing we'll do. I'm going to ask you just to turn directly to the Word this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you will. Sure, good to be in the house of the Lord this New Year's Day, this first service of the, of the year. And uh, we sure enjoyed the New Year's Eve service, didn't we? It was such a wonderful, precious presence of the Lord with us. And I want to thank everybody who contributed from the technicians, the singers, the, everyone that testified, and all the work that was done. I think it was just a wonderful time, a wonderful way to close out the year and we thank God for it. This, I know that prayer was made already this morning for Brother Norm. Thank you, Brother David, for your prayer this morning. We also want to remember our sister Lydia Wild. She's been very low. She's very weak. She's got fluid buildup, and her heart is weak. Let's just remember her in our prayers over the next little bit, if we can. She's served the Lord many, many years, and uh, we just want to commit her to God and just pray that he would work yet on her behalf. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's start reading from verse 8. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Amen. Let's also go over to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to just take that from verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." Amen. We'll stop the reading there. We'll come and pick that up in a moment. This morning, as we're standing in the presence of the Lord, facing a new year, as we're looking over the horizon, we did this last year, we looked over the horizon, none of us saw COVID. None of us saw the world that would be. And I don't know if we're going to be able to see what, what's ahead of us this year, but I'll tell you what, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that He is able and whatever comes, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are victors by him who walks with us, who holds our hand, who, who stands by our side, who is our rock, and who is our defense. We want to take courage this morning. We want to prepare ourselves. We want to have the right mindset going into this year. We're not going to go in with a whimper. We're not going to go. We know where we're standing. And we're going to keep standing where God has placed us. So this morning, we just want to commit ourselves to God. We want to ask Him to speak to us, to minister faith to us. 
And we're going to ask whatever the needs are, whatever the circumstances of our life are, Lord, minister to us that which we have need of. Can we bow our heads this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, such a wonderful atmosphere again here this morning, such faith in the people. Lord, we want to thank you, first of all, that it's not just a gathering in a building and a group of people, but Lord, with everyone that came this morning, there's a spirit that's in them. There's a little lick of fire. There's a part of the eternal God that dwells in them. And Father, they've brought that this morning. And Father, as they've come here, as they've come into this building, they've come and sat in a pew, but Lord, we've not just sat in a pew. We are here gathered in heavenly places. Father, around us in a realm we can't see that there are angels about us, Lord. We know that there's enemy forces. Lord, we know that the devil is howling in this last day because his days are numbered. The kingdom of God is about to come into full force. Lord, a great battle is set before us at this hour. Father, we're gathered together. The armies of heaven have gathered. The saints of God have gathered. In a supernatural level, Lord, there's a great battle that's occurring. And Father, we're not here just called to a picnic, but we're here called to serve the living God. Lord, you placed us here. We're here standing for you, and we're asking, Lord, that you would reveal to us more of yourself, more of what you've done for us, that we may be able to serve you acceptably. I pray your blessing would be upon every one of us. Now, Lord, I ask, take me out of the way. Lord, may you minister faith to us. Father, it's not within man, but Lord, we are only what we are by the grace of God. And anything we are is what you've done. We want to thank you for the word you've given in this last hour. The revelation that feeds our souls, that strengthens the inner man. Lord, may you strengthen us today. I pray that you'd move just in our midst. Lord, and down every pew, to every heart, to every need. And then, Lord, beyond this building to where everyone is gathered, every home, every place. Lord, I pray you would just take the full preeminence, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. you may have your seats. I'm going to also just go over to Psalms chapter 23. This will be very familiar. I won't read the whole portion of it, but from Psalms chapter 23, we're going to pick up in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If there's ever been a time that that's applicable, it's right now. And he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I'm just going to pause for a moment. The world is looking for an escape. They're looking for an out. They're looking for a superman. They're looking for someone that will get them out of the anguish and the trouble. And they're going to have one. And they're going to get one. 
I, I look at the things that are going on. People are buying vacation properties like never before. Get me away from this world. I'll tell you, there is no place you can hide. There is nowhere you can go except one place. That is in Christ. Though I walk in this valley, though there's enemies around me, you prepare a table before me. In, the, in, in this valley of the shadow of death, in the presence of mine enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. God bless his word this morning. I'm going to read a quote. This is out of a message, Looking at the Unseen in 1958. Do you believe we are living in the last days of the Gentile dispensation and the churches are looking for him to come? Do you believe he's getting them ready for his coming? The shadows of his coming is cast upon the earth. Listen how he says it. The shadows of his coming is cast upon the earth. Trouble, distress, perplexed of times. And the shadow of his coming is placed over the, his church. And these things that we do in his name are just a shadow of what he will do when he comes. I want to speak on a subject, and I'm, I, I really am not going to even touch it all today. I've been thinking in, on this for several weeks and, and just been looking at it. And today we're going to take one aspect, but... We'll call it part one of our New Year's message. Uh, it's the shadows um, from the unseen, or the shadows of the unseen. And as a title, I'm going to call this the trumpet call to war. And, and I, I believe we are in the greatest warfare that's ever been, and it's, it's, an, it's a battle that is unseen in many respects. So I'm going to take a little time just to set... A direction. This is our first service of the year, and we want to set a correct tone. We want to set a correct direction. We want to hear a certain sound, don't we? And so that, that's where we're at. So as we close the door on the last year and we start another, we are not just moving from year to year, I believe, anymore. But we're in a cycle where, as Brother Branham would take certain messages, lifting him out of history and different places, he said, there's not a really going to be a lot of reason to write history anymore. He says, history will not be needed anymore because we're moving into eternity. And I believe we're in that cycle of eternity. So we're not just taking one more year because the trend of the world and the direction that the world is going is on a downward trend for which they can never recover anymore. But the cycle also of what God has started is a cycle that will culminate in a rapture. And that also cannot be stopped. That is on its road right now. God is watching over it. He's looking after it. Now the prophet would speak about it and he would talk about a, 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 you know, years ago he would speak, there was prophecies. My wife and I were just talking about it. It seems like 
the prophecies that we talked about, the things we talked about that seemed like they were afar off, it seems like they're right upon us now. It's like we're seeing these things become tangible. The things we've fed on, the things that we've held in our hearts and in our minds, but now we see them becoming a reality and something before us. And there are things that are seen and yet they come from an unseen realm. And, and they're tangible. Now, I, I, I want to just take a, a couple of things that Brother Branham would talk about. And I'm, I'm just going to use these and I'm going to spend just, I'm going to break this down. And I want to really take a little bit just to, on, on the realm of the unseen. The prophet would say in 1951 under a message, the angel of the Lord. The little lamb that rose up in Revelations 13 was a lamb, it was a, a horn of a power, of civil and ecclesiastical power, and it was a lamb which spoke of freedom of religion, but after a while, it spoke like a beast, like the dragon. And we are seeing, and he, and he would talk about the United States, and, 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 and I think I can lump Canada with it, but we're seeing a change in the language in a political realm. It's not speaking for freedoms and religious freedoms anymore, but it's starting to turn from the lamb to the dragon. And, it, and, it were, and, he, and Brother Manum would say, and the dragon would exercise all the power that the first dragon did. This beast would exercise all the power the first dragon did. A bitter religious persecution. We're nearing that time. Now remember, church, you're living in the best day you ever will live in. 1951, he says this. R right now, until Jesus comes, it will gradually, not gradually, he says, but rapidly get worse and worse. And he would speak in 19, uh, and, and he would talk about the Laodicean age, and this out of the church age book. And he would say that the Laodicean age, church age will not last forever. And he said, I, I, you know, perhaps this age will end. He says, I don't prophesy this. I predict this will end around 1977. And he says, I base this on the prediction of seven major visions I had in June 1933, that these events would transpire. And he would talk about, he says, that these events and these visions, and I'm not going to read it. He says, but I predict that, that I do not prophesy that Many of these things will come to pass by 1977. And, and he would talk about a darkness because he couldn't see beyond that time. Friends, we're living in that darkness. The light that we have is because we have a rod and a staff. The light that we have is because we have an anointing that he's given us. And what we can see today is not what the world can see. It's not what the political leaders can see. It's not what the movements can see. But we can see by the grace of God what he has given us to see. Now, I, I really need to move I, I'm reading just a few of these because we've heard them. He would talk about diseases that would come. In Adoption, 1960, he says, The Bible said there will come a time when men will rot in their flesh and buzzards will eat off the carcasses before they die. Cancer's a toothache to what's coming. But remember, it was a horrible thing to touch those that had the seal of God. That's what we're striving for to be positionally placed before these horrible 
plagues strike. Brother Ray and I were just talking in the office and we were just talking about the testing and the things that are done. They're actually saying now that some of the testing, this is from the, the Center for Disease Control in the United States, that sometimes you can be tested and because the coronavirus comes from the common cold that many times the test it says it's the same symptoms and the same analogy and you can be tested positive bearing the symptoms of a common cold. But the plague is not the virus itself. It is, it, is, it is very real. We heard the testimony of our brother Virgilio. And thank God for what he did. But the plague is the fear associated with the plague. The plague is that it will come on you. That there is no cure. The plague is that is the plague that's on the world today. You know, I, I was listening to the messages looking to the unseen. Really, that's where a lot of my thoughts come. Brother Adam would say in 1950, he said, if America would fall on their knees and repent, if, and that, that day is gone, I believe. If they would fall on their knees and repent, there would not be the need for doctors and all of these things and hospitals. There would not be the need for the military. God would stand for them. And God will always stand for his people. He would say, in accepting God's provided way. He says, a plague falls. And if a plague happens to fall, we'll go to the hospital. We'll get Dr. Jones. He'll know how to take care of it. When a plague falls, we'll just go down beneath the ground in a cave and shut the door. He says, that won't do one bit of good. Amen. Now listen to this next statement. If this isn't a prophet, you tell me what isn't. We'll stay in our house. We'll put a mask over our face and we'll put some disinfect on it. He said, it won't do a bit of good. Why, the plague is not just a plague of the flesh, it's a plague of the mind. That's the world that we live in. Brother Man would talk about, you know, I, I, I could take different things, and I'm not going to because I really want to get to this other part. But the world we look in, we've talked about when he was here, how he said it's a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. We couldn't see it to the level that it's manifest today. And, 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 and now it's become to a level where what was just something behind the closet has now come full front. It's become brazen. And now there's laws that protect it. And those laws protect it. And if you speak against it, you're the one that's out. Friends, we are coming into the minority more and more and more. And you talk about a stripping away of rights and different things that are happening. You know, they'll, they'll, you know we, we've, we've all had to accept we can't get close to each other, that we have to wear masks, that we, we, we can't go out and do certain things and have liberties. It's slowly stripping away liberties, and it's all because it's good. And, we, and, and the government, who's the government? The government's a bunch of guys that just got elected. They're not smarter than anybody else. You know, friends, it, 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 the, the world is it's, it's being driven, and I'm going, these are natural things that we see. And, and, and they're there, and they're stripping away liberties, and they're doing it in the name of good. But this all has a spiritual application. And, and I, I want you to look. These things are, aren't just natural things that didn't come from somewhere. They're a manifestation of a battle, and they're, they're, they're in an unseen realm. And I, I want us to just look this way a little bit 
if I can say it today. You know, the economic fallout, this, this will never be recovered from. I, I, listen, there are not enough promises by a government to be able to cover the need that's there. You can write all the checks you want, but there's going to come a time when you're going to need to sell your soul out to something. Listen, let me, let me just read this quote, and then I'm going to move on from this a little bit. This is in, out of the Church Age book. We are living in the end time. The churches are going to come together. And as they are now controlling world politics, they will soon control the finances of the world. And if you don't belong to the world organization of churches, you won't be able to buy or sell. Now, it was very chilling to me when I picked up an article earlier this year, and I just saw it, and they said, the, 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 the corporations of the world, which are linked together with all of these things, they won't allow you the privileges. If you don't take the vaccine, you just won't be able to buy or sell. That was the exact words in the article. Now, I'm not saying the vaccine is the mark of the beast, but I'm just saying it's paving the way for it. And they, right in Canada, one of our premiers comes out and says, you know, and, and says, if you don't take the vaccine, we're not going to stop things. You just won't be entitled to certain privileges. What's it setting up for? Well, I, I guess I better take it then. Everybody else is. Friends, you will not be able to withstand this naturally speaking. This is a spiritual battle. You need to be rooted in Christ. Now listen how he says, if, if you don't belong to this organization, you won't be able to buy and sell, you'll lose all. Those who stay true to God and keep their garments clean from the defilement of this world system of church orders will be physically bereft. You're going to lose comforts that we used to have. You know, a trial is not always comfortable to the flesh. A trial, it, 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 and, and it is a battle many times, but the battle is a spiritual battle. He would say, there will be a great temptation to give in. And preachers will give in with the excuse that it's better to serve God within the framework of the Antichrist beast system. They will give in to flatteries and blandishments of the hierarchy, and the people that follow these false shepherds will go right into the slaughter, and in the judgment they will be found naked. They will not be given white robes, neither will they walk with him. You can't walk in the spotted garments of the world or hold hands with the devil here and expect to be with God. It's time to wake up and hear the voice out of, of God crying, Come out of her! Organize religion, my people, and be not partakers of her sins, and receive not of her plagues. God is speaking. Shun the religions of this world like you shun the plague. Leave off walking with the world and make your garments white by repentance and the blood of the Lamb. 
Do it now, tomorrow may be too late. Now, I I'm, want to just take this and, and, and I, you read these things, and I, I'm going to just say, we quite often look at this superficially. And we look at news articles, and we watch things this way. And I, I would say, you want to keep your eye on these things, but not engaged in these things. You can't fight this battle in your mind and your intellect when this happens and when this domino falls, then this will happen, and then God will do this. I'll say there's a spiritual application here. Now, I I touched on this just in our last service before the New Year's. The prophet that came, and it was Elisha that came as a fulfillment of prophecy, and he came to the king of Syria and to the one called Haziel, and, and the word of God that was given to him was that the king would not recover of his disease. And that was the written word. But underneath there was a spirit under that word. And as Elisha is looking on Hazel, his, his countenance is fixed on him. And he's beginning to see something else. He sees the spirit that's under it. And he begins to weep and cry. And Hazel says, what's wrong? He says, I see what you're doing. You're going to rip... You're going to rip the unborn from the bellies of mothers. You're going to do this. And, you're, and he began to weep and break down. And a prophet would come in this last day. And he would tell us the framework of these things. But he would also take the spirit that was... Just give me a little bit more today, if you will. He would, he would take the spirit behind this. He says, now watch the spirit that follows this. And I'll say, friends, it's alarming to our, it ought to be alarming to our spirit sometimes. I'm, I'm actually, I, I, I want to be straight with you this morning. I'm alarmed at not all believers, but some who profess to believers, at how casually and carnally the message is viewed. How it, it ought to be our very life, as Brother Bannon would say, he would take, in what house will you build me? He, you know, and he would talk, I see a waning away from the true spirit, he would say. And he says, that real genuine feeling. Oh, friends, we need to be in touch with the supernatural. We, 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 it cannot be a casual observation. I, I, I believe... We, we, there ought to be things that set off alarm bells in our spirit sometime. I watched the prophet. And, and you listen to the message, souls in prison now. And he would see two women coming down an escalator. And as they came down the escalator, and he saw this green stuff on their eyes, and he heard them talking, and all of a sudden... He goes back to a vision that he saw in hell and a mournful sound. And all of a sudden he realizes, where are we? I I, want to awaken you 
We live in a natural world. We, we're taught in the natural world. Brother Branham would say this in looking to the unseen. Man who was made in the image and likeness of God, he was called to walk by faith, believing that God is, but he often chooses to walk by sight instead of by faith. And he said, man was made to live with God by contact with a sixth sense, not five senses. But he wants to be his own boss. He doesn't want anybody to tell him to do. He wants to choose his own way. And I would say, in every believer, there's a natural part of your flesh that will do that. But you've got to continually take that under subjection. A man is like a sheep, he would say. He needs a shepherd to guide him. And when man chooses himself by sight, we find man continually getting worse when he chooses by sight instead of by faith, by the unseen. And it robs the inner man, which is the soul. That's the eternal part of man. The spiritual man on the inside, if you give him the right of way, he might lead you to a little mission somewhere where there's not many people but there's the spirit of the living God. Oh, friends, there ought to be something that we are in contact with daily. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really going to take my time on this, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Because the kingdom of God comes not with observation. And as we face this new year, we might see with our natural eyes Things that are worse than they were last year. We might hear things that are worse. And I would say, if we rely on those things, and if we rely on that, we will be dragged down with it. <coughs> but we need to be seeing something beyond. Now, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. God bless you all for your attentiveness this morning. Paul would say now in verse 8, and he's talking about what we see because quite often we see the outside man and the outside things, the things that are around us. And Paul would say this in verse 7, or sorry, in verse 8. We are troubled on every side. You can say amen, because I'd say amen to that. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Now let me read that again, and I'm going to read just the natural part. We are troubled on every side. We are perplexed. We are persecuted. We are cast down. Well, that would leave a downer on everything. Now let me read the other part. We are 
not distressed. We are not in despair. We are not forsaken. We are not destroyed. We are still here. Despite what's around us. Now, he would also say, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus and that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. There's a brother, he's a minister brother, and I was in touch with him over Christmas and, and we just communicated and he sent me a little text back and he said, it was a, sad to see some leave the faith. It was sad to see others caught up in the world. But he said, it was also good that we're still here. And he'd say, as we go into this new year, may God grant us grace to keep pace with the Holy Spirit. And I'll say this, God has a program. And though the world has gone downward, I'd say God's program has not diminished. God's program is still moving forward. And I want to keep pace with it. So I'm not going to look at these things. Now, verse 16. For though, for which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, though our outward man perish, though I don't have the comforts I was accustomed to, though I can't go to my favorite restaurant, though I can't do the things I used to do, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. I think it's, it all depends on how we look at things. It's not so much what we couldn't do in the flesh, but it's what we have actually right with us now. I, I, I've taken the opportunity. Sometimes good can be our worst enemy from achieving perfection. Because good, you can settle for good. It's good just to come to church. It's good to be able to have meetings and speakers in. It's good to have these things. But let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to a walk with God. Good can sometimes get in way of a deeper walk with God. Church can sometimes get in the way of, of a, a, a relationship that God is striving for. So you would say, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Brother Harold, when you and I were putting together a little announcement for the church at the beginning of the lockdown and we'd have to change what we're doing, you made a statement and you said, Trials have never hurt the believer. Persecutions have never hurt the believer. They've only made the true believer stronger. They're not comfortable for the flesh. Listen, I'll drop this in. This is going to be another service because I'm working on this. But you really are. We, we talk about in every church there's three types of believers. I don't like saying that. No, no. No man of God would like to say that about the people that he's ministering to. 
But there are three types of believers. And each of you bring them to church. Your outside flesh is an unbeliever. Your inside man is a make-believer. But in your soul, you're a believer. And what you need to do is let the believer overtake the make-believer. Let him overtake the, the unbeliever. So it would say, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Now how do you look at the things that are not seen? You won't do it with these eyes. You won't, you, you, you'll do it somewhere down here. And you won't just do it with emotion. You'll do it from something that's deeper within. And so the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, you've heard the saying, oh, come on, get real. No. And, we, and we look for something real. We look for something tangible. You know, you know give me something real to hold. This, this pulpit's real. You know, you're, you're, sometimes you're here, your eyes are closed, you're worshiping, and, and maybe you get dizzy. You hold on to something real. But we got something more real than what we can see. We got something more real than this building and the space and everything that's here. This morning we have the angels of God encamped about us. We have an anointing that's upon us. We have the Word of God that's been given to us. Now let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and I, I, I took this from verse 12. I just go back to that for a moment, Brother Mark, if you would. And it would say, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Now, he makes this statement, and then he says, Take the whole armor of God. And he says that you can withstand in the evil day. And now he likens this to a soldier, a natural soldier. And he begins to take from verses 14 to 18. And I'm, I'm going to just summarize them. But he would start in verse 14 and talk about loins. Gird, so the loins, a soldier, if you look at it, I really wanted to... I debated doing this sometime, having some young man come up here and get, get some things from the dollar store and some armor and put it on him and show you, but I'm not going to do it that way. But the, the loins is the strength, you know, where your body turns, the upper torso and the lower comes. The loins is where the strength is, he says. And so there's, there's a soldier. Now take the natural picture. That's the loins are girt about. Then there's a breastplate because you don't want to get hit in the heart or something. So there's a breastplate that's upon you. And then after the breastplate, there is uh, your feet, which, which have to be properly to motivated to move the right direction and do what it is. And then you would take a shield. It's a shield of faith. And then after you take the shield of faith, you're going to take a helmet you know, and you're going to put it on you. And then, so these are all uh, weapons. And, and then there's a sword. So all of these are natural elements that we identify with. 
And, and, and if you actually take, take all of these, uh, the loins, the breastplate, the feet, the shield, the helmet, uh, and you take it, six of them are defensive. Six of them are to protect you. But the seventh is the weapon that you, she, you wield with you. That's the weapon that we've been given. I, I feel like jumping like quantum leaps into other messages. But the weapon that we've been given, the sword of the word. When a prophet went and stood and went in Mount Sabina and was kneeling down and, and he was praying with his hands outstretched and something struck his hand. And it said, it's the sword of the king. What was given in his hand? It, it, it was not just a natural weapon. But it's, it's a, it embodies what we've been given with this message. Now all of these things, if you take every one of them, now go from the natural to the spiritual, girt with truth, righteousness, preparation of the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, you can't see one of them. You can't see one of them. They are unseen. The whole, the whole Christian armor is unseen. Brother Adam would say, in, in a message, super sense, uh, this is not the one I wanted to read. I took the wrong one. Here, let me, let me go. The whole Christian armor. I'll take it from another place here. I think I had another. The whole Christian armor, he says, uh, if I can't read it, I'll just take it verbatim. But Brother Adam would talk. Here it is. There's not one thing, events made clear by prophecy, that the Christian has in his armor that's scientific. Now I'll tell you, we've seen in the last few years a war come against the message that we've been given. There are brothers and sisters that you and I have sat with that chose to take these weapons and move them into a scientific realm. Well, I don't know if the cloud was really there. And you know what? They were disarmed. They didn't come to the real place. There are ministers of the gospel that have been turned aside by scientific reasoning. Men that were more gifted, brighter than we, you and I might be. What's going to keep you? Your unseen armor. Did you know love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, peace, everything is unseen by science. Prove what you got. The only thing you can prove is faith. The only thing you can prove is that something that struck your heart, that anchored you way deep, you know, my wife and I were walking the other day, yesterday I believe we were walking, and I just said, you know what, honey, I said the thing I appreciate about you is I know nothing will turn you from this truth. Nobody can talk you out of it. What a confidence that is. 
What a place to get to. As we concluded the service and Brother Ron said, you know, how many appreciated that? As he concluded the service and he says, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to serve God. No matter what the circumstances, I will serve God. I will stand for this truth. Everything you look at, now the only thing that's real and lasting is what's unseen to science. Everything you look at that comes from earth goes back to the earth, but the things you can't see with your eye, those things declare itself, that's the world of the eternal. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying all of this for a reason. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm really just laying foundation, and I know it's not just for this service, but for others to come. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So before there ever was the things that we can see, we can hear, we can look at, before there ever was any of that, there was an unseen. There was a realm where it was just the Spirit of God, and God, through faith in his own word, when he saw nothing as yet, he believed his word, and after he believed his word, there was a manifestation of that word. Now, we have come the wrong way. We came through a wrong birth. We came through the wrong things, and we've been taught seeing is believing. It's a wrong, it's a nice word, nice phrase. That's not it. I sent a brother a picture the other day, and I was just sharing some things, and I said, I've just been trying to be a little bit more fit. And he says, and I, I shared some stats with him. He says, no way. And so I sent him a picture, and he said, ah, well, Brother Ed, he said, I'm like Thomas. I need to see it to believe it. And I believe it, he said. <laughs> that was Brother Andre Petit, by the way. <laughs> You know, sometimes we wait when the atmosphere is right, when I feel right, when, 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 you know, everything lines up and it's a special service and it's just, then I'll have faith to jump out. There can be anointing for that. But it can also be when you see nothing, when there's no feeling that's contrary, when there's nothing. When it was Moses that stood at the Red Sea, and as he was looking at the, at the Red Sea, and he said, stand still. This day you will see those Egyptians no more. That was Moses going beyond the human spirit and something declaring what he could not see and he said it and as he spoke it, he couldn't take it back. And then his human spirit kicked in and he said, oh God, what am I going to do? And I, I want to speak on that, the barrier of our human spirit. That'll be another service sometime. 
But I, I just want to say, and, and everyone's had it. Prophets have had it. Ministers have it. You and I have it. And it's a hindrance to us. If you want to go and listen to the message, looking at the unseen, Brother Adam would talk about it in 1958. Uh, and there's different ones he spoke, but this is 1958, um, October the 3rd. But he would talk about a plane as a plane is flying and it comes up to the speed of sound. It shakes, it rattles, it does all of these things. And he says it's got to break the barrier of its own sound. Nothing else. Its own sound. And when it breaks that barrier, it's unlimited what it can do. Friends, we as a church are coming where there will be no more barriers. Where there will be no more hindrances. Where God will let everything flow and move. I want to walk towards that. Why should I? Our greatest limitations... Or, oh, that's brother so-and-so. That's how he is. We've got to get rid of that. We've got to look to the Word of God, the program of God. Well, that's just been in my family lineage. It's always been. I'll never overcome that. Forget it. It's got nothing to do with it. Real faith bypasses that. You might have every emotion tearing you upside down, but you break through that once. Break through that once. Brother Bannon would say, when a man once catches the vision of the invisible God and knows that he's always present, there's something that stabilizes that man's thinking. It stabilizes his actions. In times of distress and trouble, it'll make him look upward above the things that are happening around him because he's looking to the unseen. I'm I'm saying this all for a reason. Every nation is trembling. There is worry written across people. And you and I, we are just as much in this human flesh. We're just as much dealing with things that hit us psychologically. But there's one difference. There's an anchor. There's something in beside. I can't understand it. I can't understand it, how I can put on a tape and hear that prophet's voice, and all of a sudden there's a peace that comes over me. I can't understand it when I'm in the midst of trouble, and I don't even say, Lord, I worship you anyway. I praise you anyway, and there's a peace that comes back. I can't understand why when I feed on the Word of God, it does something to me that I can't see. Why, uh, how something will happen by tomorrow, I don't know. It will be there. We were away in the mountains for a couple days, and the family, and it was wonderful. The sun was shining, the snow, and we're hiking around a lake and, you know, just goofing off a little bit. And I, 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 we just went into the snow and uh, came out of the snow. We took a family picture and everything. And, 
And it was wonderful. And then we just started walking, walked back around the lake, hopped in the car, drove up, went from Camor up to Banff, and we're there, and we're just getting out, and all of a sudden I'm looking, where's my phone? I, don't, I can't find my phone anywhere. And I thought, ah, I got everything on there. I got the New Year's program. I got all this stuff. And where's my phone? <laughs> and you know what? And then I stopped, and I went back. And I said, this is where I went back to. I went back to, before we started this day, Lord, I committed it in your hands. I committed my every step in your hands. I committed where I would walk and where I would go and what I would do into your hands. And Lord, that phone doesn't just exist for me to use in a wrong way. I use it to serve you. It's a tool from the tree of life. It's not my everything. It's just a tool. And Lord, you gave that to me. I thank you for it. And I know you'll make a way. So we got there and we just kept walking. We were going to walk and my son says, Dad, aren't you going to stop and pray? I said, I already prayed. It's all in God's hands. And, and we just kept walking. And as I'm walking, kept going in my mind, you know, it was probably there when we fell in the snow. And then we went back. We drove there. And we just kept walking. And I'll, I'll tell you, I can't explain the peace. I said, it'll be right there. I, it was just, it'll be right there. And it was. We went there, and it was right there. <laughs> now, it's, it's right here right now. <laughs> but it was right there. And you know what? I don't know what you'll face. I don't know what I'll face. But he will be right there. He is the one. He's the one I'm leaning on. He's my defense. He's my rock. I can't point to anything. I don't know what the government will do. I don't know if they're going to come and they're going to have inspectors. I don't know if they're going to try and do different things. I don't know if they're going to come and check us out by what we preach. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to come with a militia. I don't know if they're going to come with a tank one day. What are you going to do? Roll up your sleeves. Okay. No. That's not our battle. Our battle is an unseen battle. And our battle is in the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. I get concerned when I see Christians caught up in the battles of the world. Caught up in the battle of politics. Caught up in the battle of black lives matter. No, white lives matter too. Every life matters. That's not our battle. It's a distraction. The enemy is distracting you. The real battle is an unseen battle for truth. Stay connected with God. I'll tell you what, Abraham knew that and Lot didn't. Abraham said, I'm not going down to Sodom. I'm not going to engage on those things. I'm going to stay with the Lord. There's a huge pressure to be able to, ah, oh, I hate these masks. I do too. I'm going to write the premier. I already wrote the premier. But I'm not going to bombard them all the time. I thank God for our premier. We got 88 people in our service. There's, 
There's some provinces that have a max of 10. There's some provinces that have no, nothing. And I say, thank God for it. But I don't believe that battle was just won by lobbying. I believe that battle was won on my knees when I said, Lord, you have given us this land. I'm not going to get into this service today. But we are of Abraham's seed. And Abraham's seed was given a natural land, but the bride has been given a spiritual land. And I'm going to, as Abraham, as the faith of Abraham was in his natural land, so is it in my spiritual land. I'll, I'll come to that in another service. So Jesus, now when God would, would take things, the seen is temporal, the unseen is the eternal. And if the seen came out of the unseen, what's greater? The unseen. If you came from God and you're going back to God, what's greater? That or the birth here on earth? That's why Brother Branham would say, I am not the son of Charles and Ella Branham. Yeah, are, are you denying that? No. He says, I, 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 it's true. There was a part of me that came. But the real me, the, the part you can't see, that was a part of God. You know, Brother Adam would make that statement. In every believer is a part of what was in those angels that were in heaven when they resisted Satan's lie. And when they resisted Satan's lie, they, those angels, they had a, a spirit in them that said, you know, all the other angels were on the water cooler and they're saying, hey, did you hear the latest tale, the latest thing? It doesn't sound good. And, and they go, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And there was a few angels that sort of stood back, hmm, something doesn't sound right here. I, I can't identify with that. That's just not in me. It's not in my DNA. And I don't know, maybe along the way, somewhere in your life, you, whatever that, that place came, all my relatives are going this way, and I'm all this I just can't go that way. You know, and all the churches are going that I can't go that way. What is it? It's a direct connection of who you are and where you're connected to. It's unseen. Psalms chapter 1. Let's just look at this for a moment. I, I, okay, I, I, I didn't want to, I wanted to get further to finish where I'm going to go to. But I'll go a little bit further and then I'll jump into the part I want to today. Psalms chapter 1. I love this. We opened up the family altar book. This was the first one yesterday in the book of, in the third one. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that shall bring forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, except in times of COVID. I don't think it's, I read that in there properly. I don't see any restrictions on what is being enacted out here. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Rivers, many channels of the Word of God. Many gifts, many ministries. There are tapes, there are pastors, there are prophets, there are evangelists. They're all part of the same water. And he says, which shall bring forth his fruit in his season, in the prophet season. His leaf shall also not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall not prosper. But, so I, I view it this way. I don't care what's going to go with the economy. This verse is speaking for me. 
Because I'm feeding on the Word of God. I'm here for the plan of God. And he says, the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's just tie this together over in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. This is Jeremiah speaking. Now he's talking from the viewpoint of the natural man. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. I get a little concerned when I hear people talk about our group, our movement, our man, our God, you know, and, and literally what they're doing is they're amplifying something between them and God. I believe as the bride we are coming back to a place where it's every individual connected with God personally. Don't ever let it be say, I am who I am because of Brother Ed or Brother Harold or, or no, well, that's a gift that God uses, but don't you ever put the man in place of the God. Because we are only channels. Let's give God the... So it says, cursed be the man that trusteth in man. I'll say it flat out. There are ministries, even in this message, that are kingdom builders. I just to say this. The, the, there are ministries built around personality. There's ministries that is not the message that we have received. The man who is rising on the platform is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you can't see him, you're missing something. I want to see him in our song leaders. I want to see him in our singers. I want to see him in the amens. I want to see him in the visiting ministers. I want to see him. I don't want to see the arm of flesh. And sometimes my flesh comes in it. Overlook it when it does. Forgive me for it. We all, we can't help it. We all got a personality. You got, every one of us does. But I'll say this. Let me see Jesus. Let me see him only. So Jeremiah would say, Cursed be the man that trusteth in these things. You know, that Satan's always, his kingdom is built on deception. One thing he can't stand is truth. And if he can't, if he can't get you, deceive you, then he'll begin attacking the character. Oh, that church. <laughs> oh, that man. Did you know this and this and this and this? He'll attack the vessel. Where is this battle occurring? In the unseen. And Brother Bannon would tell us in Christ the Mystery, when you see a click rise up and you see a click rise, don't take sides with it. Be careful how you talk about one another. That could be a son of God. That could be a daughter of God. They can help you somewhere. It's an unseen battle. 
And he would say, for the man that trusts in that, he shall be like a heath in the, in the desert and shall not see good when it cometh, but shall inhabit parched places in the wilderness and a salt land and not be inhabited. People just walk on with God and they think they're doing the right thing and blindly, blindly. Oh, friends, Jesus is so much sweeter, so much higher than allowing your religion to be through a group or through another man or through a personality. You can have a one-on-one with him. You don't need to trust. You don't need to take your sanctuary or comfort in, in, oh, my dad is or my mom is. No, it's you and God. It's you and Christ. So Jeremiah flips it. He says, verse 7, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope in the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river. This ties in with Psalms 1. I, I, I really view this as a scripture for our, this year, for us. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreads her roots by the river, shall not see when the heat comes, And her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Or let me say, the year of COVID. Or the year of plagues. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. I believe you can prosper despite the restrictions. I believe that you can still thrive in God even when you can't be in church every day. I don't see any circumstances that hinder it. Now, I'm going to have to jump ahead a little bit. I'm going to come back to some of this in the next service. Go with me to Revelations chapter 1. I've got my 20 minutes just to say what I want to also get to. Revelations chapter 1. Now, I'll just read this one verse. Revelations 1. Let's read 2, verse 9. And I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation. So look at where he's writing this from. And in the kingdom... And patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So this was an island full of snakes and scorpions and he was there for the word of God and he was there as a punishment. And, but in the midst of all of this, this natural place that he was in, something opened And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now just hold that thought and go over to Revelations chapter 4. Revelations chapter 4, verse 1. Now this is, Brother Branham would make the statement, the church, in terms of, I'm going to call it the natural, what you see is through the first three chapters of Revelations. He says it doesn't come back till Revelations 19. But there's something to be gleaned here. So Revelations chapter 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Where was the door open? In the unseen. 
And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet. Which voice? The one that we just heard. Was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So something opened now that was not open before. And it was open in the heavenly realms. Now let's, let's catch this. Let's, be, let's not be carnal. Let's be spiritual. We know nothing as we ought to know. Now just go with me to Revelations 19. Let me read that and I'm going to go into some quotes here. Revelations 19, chapter 11. And this is after the bride was called to the marriage of the Lamb. And I saw heaven opened. Now, that's just like it was in chapter 4. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now, let me just drop this in. Revelations is a book of symbols. White is the original color. Any other color off of white is a perversion of white. A horse is a power. Under the seals, there was four colors. There was white, which started out, and then it went into the black and the red, and, 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 and finally the mixed pale horse. But it says, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes, what does he do? He makes war. Let me just stop for a minute. What does a trumpet do? First of all, I know this very well because I blew a trumpet in church one time. And people were amazed at how I could blow that trumpet while I was holding, yes, while I was holding it upside down. <laughs> but a trumpet, it gathers the people. You know, every instrument in its own. You want to gather the people? You don't play the organ music. You know, they didn't have the organ or the piano going before them as they went to war. They had the trumpet. What the, what's the trumpet? The trumpet signifies a gathering. The second thing a trumpet does, it's a call to war. It's something that rallies everyone. It's a call to war. So it says here, I saw the heavens open, a white horse, and he sat on him. And he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire. His head was, on his head were many crowns. He had a name that was written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. One thing Satan can't stand is the true Word of God. I'll tell you what, you can hold the Word of God. It wasn't just for Brother Branham. It was for every believer. Now look at the next verse. And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Where was the fine linen? Just a few verses earlier. The bride was clothed in fine linen. Now, the armies. Now, I'm going to need to 
just share a couple of quotes. Just, just stay with me. Don't get, don't get lost. I said everything I said to get to this part. So first seal. Here's the plan of it. There's an announcement in the heavens. What happens? A seal is opened. What is it? A mystery is unfolded. And when a mystery unfolds, then a trumpet sounds. It declares a war. A plague falls and a church age is opened. Now listen. What is the war part? The angel of the church catches the mystery of God, not fully yet revealed, but when he does, he catches this mystery of God and he goes forth to and he goes forth to the people after the mystery has been given him. He goes forth to the people He begins to proclaim that message. What does it start? A war, a spiritual war. Now, let's just take the natural and the spiritual part. There's an announcement in the heavens. An angel on earth to a church age. Let's just take the first one. That was Paul. Paul catches it. And there was people there in Paul's time that were of the Jewish persuasion. This is next week's service. Of the Jewish persuasion and that were talking about the natural. They were still talking about natural things, about the tabernacle in the wilderness and you got to have this and this. And Paul catches it spiritually and he begins to declare it. And it created a war even within the church. Peter... Who, who would, you know, when he was with the Jews, he would eat kosher foods. When he was with the Gentiles, he would eat other foods. Okay? But Paul, that was a war, that was a truth, it was unseen. But Paul caught it. And he was fearless. And he was reckless. And he would go forth with all the truth of God. Friends, I'll tell you, the kingdom of heaven received its shaking. Listen, I, I need you just to engage with me for 10 minutes, okay? If you need to give me a little more volume or whatever it is, or you need to turn the heat off or do whatever you need to do. But I need you to stay tuned right now. All of what I said is, is there's an unseen realm. Brother Branham would, would, would make a statement and he'd say, Brother Matson Bose wanted him to come and have a revival meeting in Chicago. And Brother Matson Bose would, he'd say, oh, Brother Branham, I want to see Chicago shook. I want to see him shook. And Brother Branham says, it's already been shook. It was a war. When was it a war? When a prophet came and spoke in front of 90 ministers and spoke the truth of the Godhead revealed. It was a war. And Chicago was shook. It was a war in Paul's time when Paul caught the revelation. Listen, hell had, had relaxed. Jesus was dead. He was on the cross. He had died the death. Don't you think for a moment, Jesus, he wasn't fighting a flesh and blood affair. I, I, I can't go to this, the scriptures, but you read, 
Read uh, John 12, 27 and John 18, 37. I think they are. Jesus says, my hour is not yet come. And, and do you think that the Jesus that was the word, that every time a Pharisee could have spoke, he had the answer. Every time this, that could, do you think that at his trial, he couldn't have just stood up there and said, I got the answer? No. He knew the victory he was winning. It wasn't in his flesh. It was a spiritual war. He was going to be the seed from the woman that was going to bruise that serpent's head. So he closed his mouth. Friends, that's why we don't fight. I don't go and fight the wars in the chat rooms and the places. I I got one fight, and that's the enemy. And the bride's fight is different than the church's fight than the political fight. Don't get them mixed up. But the hell kind of had started to relax. He's in the grave. Wow. Great. There's a rumor floating around. Showed up on the third day. They had to discredit the rumor. Finally, he was gone. It's a group of disciples. But there was an announcement in the heavens. And a man started riding down to Damascus to persecute the church. And something struck him. And when it struck him, he was that first messenger that could catch the revelation. And when he caught it, it was a war. It was a war in his mind and his thinking. He went into Arabia for three years and he came out boldly under the anointing of a lion. It was a war. And there were saints that were caught under that. Now, Brother Adam would say, and I need you to catch this because I want you to think about what's caught you. Is it your intellect? You need to go beyond that thought. The only thing that caught you is you had the ability to hear from God by way of the messenger. And when you heard that, it set you where you couldn't accept what the world did. You couldn't accept what everybody else did. And it was a war, and it's still a war. And it's a war in your flesh sometimes. And it's a war with your neighbor sometimes. And it's a war even in the church because there's two spirits in the framework of the church. He said, God takes the messenger with the elect of that age. He lays them asleep. He drops a plague on it. Those who rejected it, temporary judgment. And after it's all over, they denominate, they bring in denominations. And another mystery comes forth. Another messenger arrives on the earth, on, on the, on the earth for a church age. And when he arrives, a trumpet sounds. He declares a war. It happened from Luther. It happened to Irenaeus. It happened through Columba. It happened through all the messengers, Martin, Columba. Well, it happened to Luther. When Luther came out and he caught that, what was he catching? The unseen. Friends, that was not just a man. That was a man anointing. But it was not just a man. And he goes and he says, Oh, it's a great plan. Until it comes to the last angel. Now, 
He has no certain mystery, but he gathers all that's been lost in them other ages and all the truths that wasn't truly revealed as the revelation comes. And he reveals those things, listen, this is a direct quote, in his day. If you want to read it, Revelations 10, 1 to 4, you'll get it. Who came down? Oh, If a partial truth in a previous age started a war, what about at the end when there was going to be the, the final truth? It was going to be a war like no other war. You know what, friends, what I'm seeing? Is before there ever will be a natural Armageddon, there's going to be a spiritual Armageddon. And we're the ones that are fighting it right now. So I say this, oh Christian soldier, pick up your weapon. You got the strongest weapon that's ever been given. Brother Adam would say, oh the enemy is howling. Oh, hell is against this truth. It's not just Brother Branham that has it. It's the housewife. It's the young person. It's the sister who's at home and takes the truth and sticks it out there in the face of every circumstance. It's not just doctrine. It's the character. It's the life of Christ that's in us. He said he takes the book, the seals, he breaks them and shows the seventh angel for this alone. The mysteries of God is the ministry of the seventh angel. Now we just come through that with history and proves it. All right, reveals all the mysteries. Remember, in the days of the seventh angel, in his sounding forth, it blasts forth the gospel trumpet he is to finish all the mysteries of God. I, I, I couldn't help but think. He has no certain mystery. But he picks up what was left off here. He picks up with Luther. He picks up all these things. That in their day, I, I don't think you've ever seen a move like Luther. Where a man would protest a hierarchy and a Babylonian system. I, I, I won't be able to get into this today, this part. But we'll come to it. And he stands against it. It was a spiritual war. But it happened on earth. What is it? And the armies of heaven. I'm, let me, bear with me. The armies of heaven, which are on earth today. What are they doing? They're taking this war. They're fighting this battle. They're taking, it, they're taking it to the heart of the enemy. It was in the days of Joshua. Six days they would march around one time. One time. One time. And every time they did it, it caused fear in the inhabitants of Jericho. It caused fear. But that wasn't the fulfillment. Fulfillment. 
The fulfillment was on the seventh day. Because on the seventh day, they gathered up all that was on the previous days. And they marched around once for the first day. They marched around once for the second day. They marched around seven times. And at the seventh time, they blew a trumpet. And when the trumpet went out, it destroyed every wall. Friends, that's our type. And he said to the people, shout. We have a voice, friends. It's not just a preacher's voice. Every member has a voice in this day. Listen, let's have the musicians come. There's a whole bunch I'd love to get into right now, but I want to take this slowly. Take this and digest it. When you get up tomorrow morning and you have to face circumstances, all of heaven, if you've accepted Christ in this end time word, you have accepted all the power of heaven behind you. And your words, they can make a difference. There's many voices in the world today, but there's only one certain sound. And the trumpet sound that we're under, I would just say, feed on that. Digest it. Let that voice become your voice. If I can just say this, and then like I said, this is part one of New Year's, but don't look at the things that are seen. Listen, I'll take one, one scripture, Brother Mark, I didn't give you this, but go, just go to 1 Corinthians 9, and then after this we'll sing a song. 1 Corinthians 9. This is Paul speaking, and he would make this statement. Verse, Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things, but they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beats the air but I keep under my body. That means the, the born-again part of you, the eternal part of you, the seed gene part of you. And I bring my mind. I bring the make-believer part of me. I bring the unbeliever part of me, this flesh, under that. And he says... I bring it into subjection that by any means when I should have preached to others, I myself should not be a castaway. Oh, Christian soldier, pick up your weapon. Let's stand together this morning. Maybe we can sing that. The other day, I had that song and then Brother Ray goes and after the admonition, the exhortation, he shows, hey, I had the same song. Well, we got the same Christ, don't we? 
Let's sing it. Christian soldiers, pick up your weapon. Let's fight the Six parts of our warfare, six parts that are defensive. But the seventh, I believe it's been given in our hands. I don't believe we need to be scared because there's nothing stronger than truth. And truth revealed to the human heart. I think we can put it to the enemy. I've got enemies. You've got enemies. Some of those are enemies are in our own minds. Sometimes there's no greater truth than saying, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And you know when you do that and you bring that truth out, why, why do you want to hide behind pride? Why do you want to hide behind a religious spirit? Why don't you just say, hold on a second, devil. I want to speak the truth here. I had an old Englishman. He was a boss. He said, speak the truth and shame the devil. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, somebody whispers some gossip in your ear. 
You know, you know, to say to him, I don't really want to hear that. Or you know what? You're right. That person, I thought about it. Let's kneel down and pray right now. Nine times out of ten, they do not want to kneel down and pray. Speak the truth. You got a treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You got the Lord Jesus in your heart. Why would you want to grieve Him? I want to take Him with me. I want to walk with Him. I want to trust in Him. Amen. Let me walk with you, Jesus. Brother Mark, it sure is good to see you. It's good to hear your voice. It's nice to see your pictures. And I'm not saying your, your personal profile, but your pictures. Your personal profile is okay too. We're going to have you come up and close in prayer today. Let's sing this. Let me walk with you, Jesus. Bye.